0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason
1: Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome in. Soccer Morning. Every morning is a soccer morning. Can we put that on a t shirt? Every morning is a soccer morning. Absolutely true. Today's a soccer morning. We've got plenty to talk about. We've got Champions League coming up later this afternoon. We're gonna grab our friend David Cartledge from Spain to talk about both ties in the semifinals of the Euro uh, the Euro ugh, ah, the UEFA Champions League. It's UEFA over there. U E F A. So that'll be a good discussion. Hope you've got plans to watch the Champions League today. Hope you're ready to call in later on in the show. Tell me what you're thinking about today on a Tuesday. I hope you checked out the Sirius XM show yesterday, Uh, the debut episode of Soccer Morning on serious XM FC 94. It's a good show. We had who we lead off with. It's all a blur now. It's all it's all flying out of my head. We let off with Jesse Marsh of the New York Red Bulls. We also had Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer. We also had Benny Failhaber from Sporting Kansas City and Alex Morgan from the U.S. men's national team. So it was a good lineup on a Monday, and we'll be doing again doing it again today at 11 o'clock. So I hope you've uh, got your subscription all lined up and you're checking out Soccer Morning on Sirius XMFC. First up, though, we've got to do this show, the web show, Worldsoccertalk.com. Again, David Cartledge will join us to talk not just about the Champions League, but also about the news out of Spain that a law has been passed to change the way that TV revenue is distributed among La Liga clubs. How much of a game-changer will this be for Spain? How much of an impact will it have on Barcelona and Real Madrid, the heavy hitters, the two clubs that, that garner most of the money, that grab most of the money when it comes to television in Spain? Will this change anything to do with this change anything about their start times? Spain's got the latest start times. And I guess that makes sense culturally speaking. They eat dinner at like 11, right? They eat their their last meal at like 11 o'clock at night. It makes me tired thinking about it. Let's do some headlines before we talk to Mr. Cartledge. Senor Cartledge about the Champions League and this TV deal. Uh, Arsenal. Currently owned mostly by Stan Kroenke. I don't know what the percentages are. I know Stan Kroenke just bought more shares. I think he he controls something like 60% of the club. But obviously there are many shareholders for Arsenal. Nigerian billionaire Aliko Dengote, I'm trying here, Africa's richest man, has said he wants to buy Arsenal despite failing in a 2,000 bid to acquire a stake at the club. According to Bloomberg, the 58-year-old is now worth eight times as much as when he tried to buy la- the last time. I still hope one day to, uh, one day at the right price that I'll buy the team. I might buy it, not at a ridiculous price, but at a price that the owners won't want to resist. I know my strategy. Dangote is worth over $15 billion, worth more than both Arsenal-majority stakeholder Stan Kroenke and Uzbek billionaire Alisher Uzmanov. Who have been fighting control for the club, uh, fighting for control of the club? So you may have a, uh, a potentially a new man buying into Arsenal Football Club, and I yeah, that could be game changing. Fif- a guy worth fifteen billion. I think I saw now. Th- this is obviously um, at the whim of the markets, and there's been some crashes and and things have not gone well in Russia. But I think that uh, at this point, Abramovich is worth something like nine billion dollars, we all know how much mo- how much his money has impacted Chelsea Football Club and their ability to go win titles. And clearly, Arsenal is, you know, in a position as a big club to get back to the top of the mountain. If they have an influx of cash from a guy who's worth $15 billion, imagine that they could compete on that level. They're right there with Chelsea. Prince Ali Hal Hussein has confirmed he will continue in his bid to become FIFA president. There had been some talk. That perhaps the contenders, not nameset bladder, were going to pull out of the race, leave one man standing to go up against bladder, the better to have a chance to knock him off his pedestal. Let's not split the vote. Let's have one guy represent all of the interests that are anti bladder. Michael Van Prague, Prince Ali bin Hussein, Luis Figo. But apparently Al Hussein has decided he is not going to step aside. There had been speculation that Prince Ali was considering pulling out of the election campaign, but the FIFA vice president from Jordan has assured in a statement he will continue in, continue the race until the end. Elections take place on May 29th. 24 days away. Statement added that Prince Ali bin al-Hussein reaffirmed on Monday he will continue to run for the FIFA presidential elections, taking place at the end of this month especially after the supportive and positive responses from the football federations he visited in different countries and the warm welcome his manifesto has received worldwide. I, I don't know that this is the right strategy. I, I still think Blatter's going to win. I don't know. I don't see any reason to believe he won't. I don't know if Prince Ali is the strongest candidate. I don't know if Michael Ban Prague's is a strong candidate. I'm not sure Luis Figo is much of a candidate. Not No disrespect to Luis Figo. But we're talking about a man who has consolidated power so successfully, so efficiently, in said Blatter, that you need, you really do need one candidate who has a shot. Make it an either-or proposition. And I don't think that's going to happen here. And that's actually a, a, a problem, because I think is going to, to pretty much walk again with uh, with the presidency for the fifth term. Czech club Bannock Most... Banik must has been criticized by the World Player Union FIFPro over plans to make its players take lie detector tests after a run of nine successive defeats. If you have lost nine games, maybe you're just terrible. Maybe you're just a bad soccer team. Now, the second division in the Czech Republic, I'm assuming there may be some potential For match fixing in that part of the world, in that division. So how do you go about policing this without violating the privacy rights of a bunch of players who probably have done nothing wrong? Even if there's one or two bad apples in there, is the right way to go about it a lie detector test for everybody? Pro is totally opposed to the use of lie detectors and strongly recommends all players not to cooperate with this test. FIFPRO said in a statement. According to FIFPRO, the players were suspected of having been involved in match fixing. But I think most club directors are treating their players as potential suspects, even though there appears to be no clear evidence. Fee Pro wants to stress that players are often the victims of match fixing. Professional soccer players could be involved, but match fixing rarely starts with the players. FIFPRO added that the use of lie detectors was not efficient in any case and said it understood that the players had not been paid their salaries for March. Oh, you're not going to pay them. They might be involved in match-fixing because, you know what, they got to feed their families, and then we're going to run them through eye-detector tests. Oh, okay. Probably just a terrible soccer team. Robert Lewandowski has been cleared for the Champions League semifinal. Bayern Munich striker has been cleared to play in spite of injuries sustained last week, the Wednesday leg against Barcelona. That's, That's tomorrow. Fractured his nose and upper jaw in a collision with goalkeeper, uh, with the goalkeeper from Borussia Dortmund. Rushed to the hospital with concussion. Nevertheless, doctors give him the green light to play. I'm not sure. I, I did see something about a mask, so I don't know if he's going to be wearing a mask on the field or not. But that'll be interesting. Good to have Lewandowski in the team for Bayern Munich. And last but not least here, a German documentary crew was arrested in Qatar while making a documentary about the 2022 World Cup and potential corruption. WDR team was arrested during a shoot during shooting with workers in the Qatari capital, Doha, that interrogated by state security. I think the Qataris are saying they didn't have the permits. Let's interrogate these guys. Let's detain them and interrogate them when they don't have permits. Yeah. Let's take a break. we come back, David Cartledge. we're going to break down the Champions League semifinals talk about TV deals in Spain don't go anywhere soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com you're
2: talking too loud
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Let's talk to David Cartledge about Spanish football. We'll definitely be previewing the Champions League semifinals here. Big Tuesday and Wednesday night of football in Europe. Uh, David, how are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be joining you It's the eve of two huge games.
1: It is the eve of two. Well, it's the eve of one game. The other one's today. Uh, We're going to start with that one. We're going to start with Real Madrid in and to face Juventus. Um, the, the, the Italian team, Juventus, obviously a rich history, flying the flag for Italian football right now, considering some of the uh, problems that they've had in that country and the step back of Serie A recently. Real Madrid, uh, you know, defending champions, going for number 11. Is this, uh, how do you expect this first leg to play out, tactically speaking, for Carlo Ancelotti?
4: Yeah,
3: again, I think, I think typically with Ancelotti going into the first leg, there will be a, a little bit of sense of caution at the beginning, but, but to see how Juventus are going to step up and, and how they are going to maybe target Real Madrid's main men. But I think Ancelotti, as we've seen with Real Madrid under under him, they're they confident in the ball as well and, and they will be happy to dominate. And I think Juventus will. Our team, who like they like to sit back a lot, I think, and they will do a lot of running. They will try to shut Real Madrid down, but I think Real Madrid will will look to control.
1: How's the um, How's the, the fitness of Real Madrid heading into this game? Everybody ready to go? Is there a full complement? I
3: mean, I mean, Benzema isn't gonna he, he isn't gonna play, right, right. and then obviously Luka Modric, who who we who we've known about for a while, but other than that, bails back to fitness and. And Sergio Ramos is going to continue in his little midfield role, um, which I think's been working well. The, the jury's still out, I think, on some parts, but no, I think he's I think he's done well on that midfield role. And other than that, it'll be pretty much uh, as usual.
1: So this is another opportun- uh, opportunity for Javier Javier Hernandez to make a statement mm-hmm. about his role for Real Madrid. Um, you know, obviously on, on this side of the pond, David, lots of talk about Chicharito and and his recent resurgence and and how important he's been. To Real Madrid with Benzema out. Is, is there a sense that if he continues to be crucial and continues to score the goals as as he did against Atleti, that he can stay in this team? Or, Or is there almost a sense that this is a swan song? He's going to, to fire all, you know, fire all his shots and go riding off into the sunset no matter what happens.
3: I think there'll be a lot for him to judge I think uh, I think he'll want to stay at Real Madrid because for the just for what Real Madrid stands for it's, it's wonderful prestige for any player um, and the fact that he, he's Mexican as well of course Hugo Sanchez had so much uh, yeah. success it's a big deal for him if he can stay there but if not then I uh, you know, he he I think he's a realistic guy. I think he's a realistic guy. You know, he works hard and he he tilts to take his chances, but I think he'll look and he'll maybe look to see if a move to maybe uh, hypothetically speaking, somewhere like a Valencia or a or a Sevilla or maybe Italy with uh in the Milan will will might fare better for him. But as for now, you know, he's he's worked hard, he's getting his chances, he, he deserves his chances, he he's taken his chances and but I still think Benzema is the main man and, and if he was fit then Chicharito
1: will be will be back on the bench. Well, uh, hey, there's there's talk about uh, Carlos Tevez going back to Argentina. Maybe he can replace Tevez at Juve. And things, stranger things have happened. Um, exactly. Yeah. So you know, as you look at this, as you look at this tie overall, uh, again, um, Real Madrid has to be the favorite, but you know, Juventus presents a specific danger. I mentioned Tevez; he has been a key to Juve making it this far in this tournament. How does Real Madrid? account for him um, as Juve attacks?
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because he's a, he's a player who really does he, he thrives on that space. If he's got about 10 or 15 yards of space, maybe between the, I mean, if Ramos plays in um, in midfield the then they, between Ramos and the centre-backs, so that space there Tevez is always going to Hunt that and he's gonna, he's gonna fight for those lost causes and it's gonna be interesting to see who maybe takes on the reins of, of looking at the and it might be Pepe and that would be fine, I think that would be a fantastic battle because they're both, they're not getting any younger but they're still, the fitness of both of them is impeccable and, and they will fight for every last ball so it'll be interesting to see if those two can have a little face off. But with Tevez, I think they did, they just have to, to get him frustrated and to make sure that, that is all he's is doing, is that he's chasing the ball down and he's chasing the players down. I think if they start giving him a lot of time on the ball, he can create, he can beat, beat people. And, I mean, if he's got somebody playing off with him, off him then he's even more dangerous, whether it be the or ex-Real Madrid by Murata,
1: There might not be a better player on the planet that uh, can frustrate a forward like Pepe. So perhaps, uh, you know, that obviously works in, in Real Madrid's favour. Um, what's the what's a what's a good result? What's a I mean an excellent result is obviously a win, a, an away goal or two. What can they go back to Madrid with and feel comfortable if it's not the perfect result?
3: Yeah, I mean I think they can go back. with I, I think 0 nil they can go back with nil nil. I think that's perfectly feasible. Um, I think they could score at night as well. I mean Juventus will I think really look to to kill the game in a in a big way. Um, and hope that they can maybe make it at the Bernabeu um, if Real Madrid are pressing a little bit more at home. But no, I think I think nil-nil is perfect for Real Madrid to
5: take off the Bernabeu. 0-0
1: well, means uh, you know means what does that mean? Again, we come uh, coming back to the tactics and and you know clearly you're not going to open up on the road in the Champions League. But does that mean that we're going to be, all be bored watching this game? Uh, or do you expect there to be chances and perhaps? You know a um, save or two and 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 it stays it stays goalless,
5: yeah, i will be
3: really surprised if if this game around real Venice is a, is a is a spectacle across the both legs i mean it's exciting in terms of the prestige because of the history of the two clubs in the competition it's it's nice to see them face off again, but I think the other game is the one what is gonna capture the imagination and the one what everybody wants to watch and the one that everybody should be excited for i think the Real Madrid us game is gonna be a, a a highly tactical affair. It's going to, there's gonna be long periods of play, maybe forty, fifty minutes, I think, where not much happens. It's it's okay. It's a lot of jousting, I think. So yeah, so so I would just be aware of that.
1: Alright, so so let's we'll just move on to tomorrow then and talk about uh, Barcelona. Yes. Barcelona <laughs> and Bayern Munich. I I, I did a, it did my headlines this morning. I mentioned that Lewandowski looks like he will play for Bayern Munich. That's obviously crucial to them. Meanwhile on the other side how are things lining up for uh, for uh, Luis Enrique and Barcelona?
3: Yeah, you get the feeling with uh, with Barcelona. The conference is, is grown a little bit more, and, and Bayern Munich with their, with their injuries. And and their, they've had a few slip-ups, I think, as well in the Bundesliga. They, they just lost again at the weekend against Bayer Leverkusen, even though, obviously, they rotated heavily. Um, I think that there conference is there going with Barcelona, and they feel like they can beat anyone now. With their, with with this attack that they have got, they they feel super super confident.
1: Now, having the first leg at home, you expect them to go after this. They they need to they need to build themselves a bit of a lead before they go back uh, and and play the return leg in Germany.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they can Barcelona. It's it's different to say when they played PSG. I think PSG had their chance. Uh, didn't had a few chances against Barcelona, but. They didn't take, them. They, got, they haven't got that ruthless edge, about them. So that's what makes this one interesting. So Barcelona will leave gaps. There will be chances on the counter attack um, for Bayern Munich to, to, to really go at the throat of them. Um, but I think Barcelona will, course, yeah, it's the way they play. They, they will go to take this one. They'll, they'll look to score two or three um, at the camp now.
1: And, and you know, obviously, with the firepower, we talk about this consistently. The firepower that uh, Barcelona has, you would expect them to create. Plenty of chances. Um, Bayern Munich, as you said, a wounded animal, but a wounded animal that, that absolutely uh, turned things around in the last, in the last round from a, from, a, from a poor first leg. You, is that possible? Do you, could, you, could you possibly see Bayern Munich going through the same situation that they did against Porto where they, they don't play well in the, in the away leg and then turn things on back home in Germany? Or is Barcelona a strong enough team to resist uh, the German champions?
3: No, I think it can be turned around. Yeah, I think, Prince and Barcelona take it. as long as Bayern get a goal. If Barcelona are going to score a few, then Bayern, I think, will have to get one. So I think, let's say Barcelona win three-one with uh, the Camp Nou, I think they can go. They can then go to Munich, and I think Bayern would still be able to turn it around. I don't think anything is is a given in this in this uh, mm-hmm. tie. I think any there's so many subplots underneath as well. And Thiago going against um his former club and you not know, after maybe not uh, being able to settle and give the reins there and then obviously that we all about know the about the Pep Guardiola return as well but no I think anything can go in in this tie I really do. Uh,
1: obviously Real Madrid Barcelona um giants of Spanish football giants of European football and and probably I don't know do you shade it Barcelona's way against Bayern Munich or do you I, I don't know what the I don't know what the bookies have David but I'm just curious from your perspective, yeah. who's the favorite?
3: Yeah, for me, I think it's I think it's Barcelona. I think with their attack, in um, the form there it is, and the, the amount, the sheer amount, the volume of goals they are scoring, coupled with Bayern Munich injuries, um, then yes, I, I think I make Barcelona narrow favorites for this one.
1: Now you've got again Neymar, Suarez, Messi. We know about them, but you know so much of the so much of this this game is is won in the midfield. When you compare when you compare those the two midfields of, of uh, Bayern Munich and Barcelona and, and you look at the strengths in those midfields, how do you, how do you shade that, that battle and, and ultimately how does, uh, how does Barcelona make sure that they can connect with their front three to create the chances they need to score the goals, to give themselves a lead, to go back to Germany and potentially hold on?
3: Yeah, I mean this has been one of the biggest problems for Luis Enrique He's deciding what type of mid- midfield to run with, whether the goal with the uh, the control and possession, the, the the throwback to the old Barcelona, where having Javi, having Iniesta and Sergio Busquets, or going with the more the direct throng of the likes of Rafinha and Rakitic, which is a bit more energy, a bit more, I think, built for 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 what this game will be against Bayern. I think it's going to be a, a physical test as much as much as anything. So somebody like Rakitic and Rafinha. Could be key, um, and for Bayern, I think it's Thiago is going to be the main man. I know he's just come back from injury, but I think he could have a really big say on this tie, as much I believe um, as as Messi and um, Suarez, for instance. I mm. think he's going to be the key man for Bayern.
1: Well, that's it's interesting because I think that you know, obviously, we look for big players to step up in big moments. Obviously, uh, you know, in the last last round for Bayern Munich, Thomas Müller was was a star and. and while we know how good these players are, you know, it's easy to point to players like Messi or Suarez or uh, or even you know, Lewandowski as a striker and say, oh, it's yeah. going to be all on their shoulders. But there's going to have to be one or two players who who step up above, you know, maybe their usual contributions to, to push their team forward. Who do you see that as being? Is it, is it Rakitic? Is it uh, and, and certainly for Bayern Munich as well? Uh, I seem to have lost David Cartilage. <laughs> that call just flat out dropped. I'm not even sure what happened there. And that was a good question. That was that was a good question. All right. Uh, I need a production uh, decision here. What is the best approach for me right now? We can take a quick break. Try to get uh, try to get David back. Maybe is that the best, Is that the best way to go? All right. <laughs> yes. No. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break. I'll see if I can get David Cartlidge back. We'll finish up the discussion. We have to talk about the TV deal in Spain. When we come back, don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning. We dive right back into Spanish football. Uh, apologies for that. David doesn't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I, you know, it's, it's satellites. What can you do? David, uh, the question I had asked you before we uh, were so rudely interrupted was uh, who beyond the obvious candidates needs to step up for each of these teams in order to push their side to victory? Because, again, these are... Uh, these are, are, are two clubs with an immense amount of talent.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for Barcelona, you've got to look at Rakitic um, for his physical qualities. Like we mentioned, I think it's going to be a, a physical test this game. It's going to be very enduring, I think, for both teams. Um, so Rakitic is one who I think can step up for that reason. And then Mascherano as well, who's such an underrated player. and He just goes under the radar. You can see him maybe dueling against Lewandowski and Muller and, and pulling out the odd challenge, the last pitch challenge or covering PK well. And so I think that's where Barcelona will look to. And then, and as for, as for Bayern, I think somebody like Philip Lahm, who's such an experienced head, he can, he can step up in a game like this. And, and again, it's, it's putting a really, a 10 out of 10 performance, not a single foot out of line.
1: Should be interesting. Um, that's tomorrow, first leg uh, in Barcelona, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. Uh, now, David, I need to turn us to some domestic matters when it comes to Spain. News news out that the Spanish government has passed a law requiring a change in the way that TV revenue is shared. I, I hope I've got that right. If you can boil down the specifics of, of this law and what it requires of uh, Spanish football clubs in terms of TV revenue... Um I think that would be a good place to start.
4: Yeah, of course.
3: Right, okay, Basically, it's as everybody knows the situation in in Spain with the with the La Liga TV rights, it, it it's very lopsided. It, it it favors Barcelona and Real Madrid in a in, in a big way. Um the other teams, um the the 18 teams in the league and then it goes down at Segunda, uh, the Segunda second division as well. Um they're they're out of line with things and they they have been wanting a bit more money and and I think the Spanish the government have been wanting that as well. They want to see, they want to see Spain competing, um, uh, all across the board, not just Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. So, um, there has been a new legislation passed. Um, that, that means that we do get more money for the other teams. It's not equality. It's not down the line. So Barcelona and Real Madrid will be earning, um, their same larger amount. Um, but the key point is the likes of Valencia and Atleti and Sevilla they will get a a great deal more of money um, from the pot under the new TV deal, which is going to earn Spanish football a a lot more money.
1: Now, now, uh, my understanding is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Real Madrid and Barcelona, they have their own individual TV contracts respectively. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, yeah. they, They negotiate.
1: seem to have lost the volume on your call, David. Are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah, okay, sorry you dropped off for a second. so they have, they have their individual they have individual TV contracts.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's like none of a it's like a rights of arena agreement and, um, and, that, and that's how it has been and now it's it's more centralized. There's one big package, there's one big pot that everybody dips
1: into. Uh, how, how do you think that's going to impact Real Madrid and Barcelona? I mean, even if they are getting, still getting more than everybody else, it sounds like they're going to be getting less than they did before. And that will have some sort of impact on the kind of business they can do in the transfer market, how much they can spend. The fact that that you know we we know that loans have been floated from the government in the past. How is that all going to be affected?
3: And a large amount. There, there's no major drop off for them. And and the key thing is now with 300 in Barcelona. They also negotiate in other deals like sponsorship deals elsewhere, you know, you've got the, the Qatar Foundation and, and, and things like that, and, and, and training logos, anything like that. They can negotiate those sorts of deals, so they get extra money in from there as well. But, but going back to the TV rights, it's not much of a big difference for them like, personally. They will they will still earn a large amount. They won't see any drop off. Um. But as you're saying, this is designed to increase the, the level of competitivity. This, the, they they want the Spanish people who run the game in Spanish football. They want another ledy scenario. They want three or four ledys, five ledys, and they they really want teams to come at them and 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 make this league the best in the world and 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 make it powerful.
1: Now, so right, so the, the the issue here is, or the the thing that we are should should be focused on is that they should raise the level of certainly that that second echelon behind Real Madrid and Barcelona. So who is most? Who is, who is um, best situated to take advantage of this change and turn a, a, turn more TV money into a more competitive team that can actually go and challenge the way that Aletti did?
3: Yeah, I mean, it starts from 2016, the, the new deal. And, and there is there's little clauses. I mean, for instance, there's going to be 25% divided up based on the performance over the last five seasons. And then there's going to be another 25% divided up, and that's going to be based on fame, image, and popularity. So <laughs> you can <laughs> ha, ha, however you want to see fit there. So mm. we're going to be, with no disrespect, disrespect it with the clubs. The other clubs after Madrid and Barcelona that are more historically stronger and have done well over the last couple of seasons, your, your Athletic Bilbao, your Valencia, your Sevilla, people like this, um, they are going to... See the see the benefits of, of that clause,
1: shall we say? So uh, you know, there are some clubs in in Spain that are much much smaller that that do struggle a bit more. That happens everywhere. But is this going to benefit them at all? Is this going to benefit those those small clubs that maybe uh, yo yo a bit between the second division and, and La Liga?
3: Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more money as well for Segunda clubs because I mean as. As the listeners will know, in England there's a thing called a parachute payment. So, you know, when the money fra- in England. Um, so, when a team goes up, they get a nice big amount, and then obviously when they go down, they've still got money for the next couple of years. There is no such thing in place in Spain. So, you go down, your money drops straight away, back down to where it was before. Um, and there's also a thing in case if you don't get promoted again after you've been relegated within two or three years, there's another even bigger drop off when it gets renegotiated. Mm. This is to do away with that, so you've got a little bit more money to to rest on, basically. And there's obviously the bonus when you go up, but there's going to be something when you go down as well. But yeah, it's, I think it's going to benefit all the way through. This this is certainly is a positive step. Don't I mean? Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is going to change mass. I don't think this is going to change anything. I mean, it comes into play in 2016. I don't think by 2020 we're not going to see a particularly big impact. I think in 10 years' time is when you're going to see it, just like we've seen with the current theory it's, it's over time, it's gradually broken down other clubs and, and put a, a two certain clubs up.
1: Is this um, For you, is this a solution or is it a half measure? Where do you see it in terms of the progression of what Spain needs to do to get closer to a more competitive league? That uh, you know th- that will have more com- uh, contenders than just two or three teams.
3: Oh, it's a, it's a step um, that definitely needed to be taken. I'm glad it has been taken. It is a, a positive one. Don't get me wrong. I just think there's been far too much damage done already to Spanish football. I think that, you know there's there's too many clubs already gone to the wall. Is there's, there's still a team now in Primera Elche, for instance, who who are now they're not mathematically safe yet, but they're all but certain too, and their players haven't been played for paid for three months. I mean, that is unheard of in in, um, in England, for instance. I know Italy's had problems with their uh, Parma, for instance, but that's a that's a special case. But for a team in the top flight of, of Spain to go for players to go unpaid and, and staff for three months it, it is absurd, really.
1: No, that is certainly a troubling situation um, there at that club. Uh, before I let you go, David, I'd like to do this with, um, you know, with just uh, three games left on the schedule for everybody. Where's the drama at this point? I mean, Barcelona two points ahead of Real Madrid at the top. Well, obviously, I'll be watching that, but uh, you know, clearly we'll be watching the relegation battle as well. When you look at the situation, um, who do you see ultimately uh, going down and how does the fixture list for, look for uh, those, those uh, relegation candidates?
3: I actually think, I mean, I think there's going to be some drama. I think there might be um, a little bit of, you know, a few twists and turns in the way of potentially one or two. But I think the current bottom three, I mean, Cordova's already down, so we can, we can stop talking about them actually. So the current uh, bottom two of Deportivo, La Coruña and Granada, I think they will actually be the the two teams that um, go down eventually. The the fixture list doesn't really favour them. And strangely enough, none of the teams actually face each other in the run-in. So there's no Mm. classic relegation six-pointer. Um, so they're going to have to get their results elsewhere. And I mean, was got Barcelona on the last day of the season, for instance, which is just a, a brutal game to have come now. Mm. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of drama there. But also for that fourth spot, uh, sorry, the third and fourth spot as well. Is, you know, Atleti and Madrid and Sevilla are, are really pulling out all the punches for that, so that's another one to watch.
1: Yeah, you do have a bit of a you have a bit of a gap from Real Madrid and Barcelona down to Atleti, and then Valencia yeah. and Sevilla right there in a the group, and then another gap to Villarreal. Um so um there we look we 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 came into the season we talk about the the small teams the the davids against the goliaths of of the of la liga so who who is the you know where, where is this where's the good story, where's the feel good story this year if you're right and it's deportivo granada and and Cordoba that go down
3: yeah i think iba- uh stand up is just the most incredible story i think anything i mean if they're they seventeenth right now if they finish seventeenth it's a miracle it, i mean to be honest, even if they went down, I think it would be understood, with like, okay, I, everybody's gone down. So, you know, it's understandable they have. So the fact that they can stay up, whether it be, you know, on, on the head to head and the goal difference there, or just at 17th, just finishing there, it's a miracle that they have done it. it, it again, going back to the TV money and, and how that club operates, the size of the city, the size of the stadium, uh, the budget they operate on, operate on is, is just unbelievable. And then obviously, Rio Vallecano, their mid-table the 11th, again, another and another team who will have absolutely nothing um, in terms of money and budget, and, and they can't offer players big contracts or even a lengthy contract. It's one-year deals for every player, um, and, and they are a miracle every single year in Spain. Yeah,
1: for for those people who don't know, just the the background on Ibar a bit: uh, a Basque country club, correct, and a, and a very small club with a stadium that's uh, you know a, a fraction the size of uh, the Bernabeo and the Camp Nou.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, Ibiza. It's just, it's just a little. I mean, obviously, the, the classic bath clubs are uh, Real Sociedad, and Athletic Bilbao, and, and they've got their stadium at the Ruhr, and it's just over five thousand capacity. You know, it's um, they've had back-to-back promotions. There are there are a lot of journeymen in the team, a lot of local players. But basically, the players who who don't make the greatest Athletic Bilbao and Real Sociedad, the classic giants. Even Osasuna, um, they'll maybe end up at Ibar and it's just a case of. They're just a, f- a wonderful siege mentality there and and their stadium being in the league this season has has been has been magnificent it's been it's been great seeing the big players go there it's, it's fantastic and it's i think it's what football's about because they are a very real club and they've got no you know they have got no false ideals about where they are they, they are very true to themselves and it's it's fantastic they they represent a whole town and it's a fantastic story.
1: David Cartledge, follow him on Twitter. It's David J A C A. He writes at 442. Does work at BN Sport, and uh, he's fantastic every time he comes on to talk Spanish football. David, appreciate the time, um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
3: Yeah, I look forward to it, man.
1: All right, there you go. Enjoy the Champions League. Semi final first legs. Let's take a break. We'll come back, open, the, open up the phone lines here on Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk
1: with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Get on the line to get on the air. 646-832-3909 here on a Tuesday morning. I imagine you're looking forward to the Champions League. Tell me how you're watching. Uh, How many people... Skip out of work, like plan their Champions League watching. Like how how many people? How many of you worked longer hours last week so you could get out early on a Tuesday or a Wednesday to go watch the Champions League? Those games started what about three o'clock? Is that right? Two forty-five, three o'clock. How many of you are planning that? I am. Uh, I'm certainly going to be watching these games. Interesting to see how they play out. So I, I Real Madrid and Juve. David Cartlidge just scared me off of that match. That's today. Scared me off of that match. And, and look, I, I realized, I had a conceptual idea that it might not be the most fun game in the world. But you do have some incredible talent on the field. Apparently, Ronaldo made some big splash. Like He, he arrived in Turin. And then all these people lined up to take their picture with Ronaldo. He's a famous guy. Even in the city of the team, he's coming to beat. Sort of like like welcoming in the Vikings and saying, hey, can I get a picture? Because the guy's coming to try to beat your team. And again, as I mentioned, I, I'm fascinated by Juve. Again, a club with such a rich history and a country with such pride in their football, and it's just been a rough go of things the last couple of years. And, of course, Italian football can't ever seem to get completely out from under the shadow of the match-fixing scandals and Calciopoli and all of these things. So they are, they are definitely flying the, the Syria-Italian flag here. And I'm sure this is, like, I don't know how the math works, but I'm sure that would be good for their coefficient to beat Real Madrid. I imagine that would be true, right? How could it not be? Go to the Champions League final. I think that would probably be a big thing. Are you surprised to see Juve here? I, I mean I I don't know. If you if you at the beginning of the tournament you had said Juve is going to be one of the final four teams, that might be a little surprising. And how does you know, we, we talk a lot about how the English view England English football club failure of the Champions League. Oh look, Chelsea didn't get through, Arsenal didn't get through, Manchester City can't get over the hump. Meanwhile, the Italians have one club representing Italian football right now, Juve, hosting Real Madrid, defending champions. Some of the best players in the world, Ronaldo. Now, no Benzema, that's a, that, that helps a lot. I'm not, that's not a slight against Chicharito, by the way. I actually like Chicharito for the most part. I think, I think Chicharito Hernandez is very difficult not to like. Let me say it that way if you are able to pull yourself out of the u.s mexico dynamic how many of you actually hate how many of you actually hate chicharito hernandez the american fans i mean i i know the the mexico fans love him sure how many of you actually hate chicharito guillermo's on the line what's up guillermo
2: hey good morning jason uh well, I, I, you know, you bring up the the Champions League, um, and I I've always had this in the back of my mind, uh, you know, that it feels to me like it's scripted, like it's set up for the big ones to win, clearly, right? But even the draws, when they when they're picking uh, teams who who's going to play against each other, know. It, it, you know, how coincidental are the Spanish teams play each other, right? Um, and and those types of things just seem to happen over and over. Is that a one-time thing. Would lead me to believe that uh, UEFA has uh, predetermined who is going to win it at the end. I mean, I know that sounds very nefarious and everything, but it'll be Real Madrid, uh, and and you know because it took the Barcelona took it last time, it'll it'll play out like that.
1: Well, I I I think you're right that it does seem as though these things are sort of scripted on, to, they're manipulated to bring us the most drama, but I, is that really troubling? Does that really bother you necessarily? If, if I'm talking about the draw. If the draw is, is manipulated, and I don't know that it is, and I don't know that anybody will ever prove that it is, but if the draw is manipulated to give us the best matchups at the best times, is that something we, as as consumers of the product, I hate to make it sound called corporate, but as people who are enjoying the entertainment, isn't that what you want? You want the best drama.
2: But it has to play out naturally. Like, it, I mean, at this stage, I mean, when there's only four teams left, I mean, there's going to be great matchups, no matter who's in there. But yeah. like, I, as somebody who loves the underdog, clearly I root for, you know, MLS teams and, you know, watch the USL. I, I really like small teams. Uh, I'm not into the, you know, importing the money from somewhere else and buying the biggest guns that you can get and having your team be a winner that way. I, I feel that, that that cheapens the title, uh, <clears throat> Chelsea. Um, and um, <laughs> you know, I, I I just believe that you know, and you know, maybe this is this is never coming back, right? But the 70s and 80s, it was all it was, it, 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 yeah. you know, no, but- before it was the Champions League it was it was internal, right? It, it sort of like played itself out and it was always amazing and there was occasional, you Gero, know, scenes uh, that, that would make it um, the, all the way
1: out. This is the the the, the money has changed everything. I'm going to let you go. i got some other people on the line, but I appreciate the call, Gary. Take it easy, man. Right, have, have a good one. one. The money has changed everything. The money is now so big That it has consolidated power among these groups. I mean, remember, not even Forest once won Europe. I mean, it's a different tournament back then in a different format, but that's how far we've come that now it's, it's Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juve, and Bayern Munich. And you're almost a little tiny bit surprised that Juve's there, even though they're a massive, massive club. Ray in Milwaukee, what's up? Yeah. uh,
5: Well, I watched uh, European soccer. Because of the t- cream of the, it's, it is the cream of the cream, or cream of the, you know, it's the best. Yeah, sure. And so, uh, and um, you know, uh, the relegation stuff I never interested me at all, anyways. So, um, I don't understand why you're so, excited about a crap team. But Ray, you're uh, getting up at six o'clock in the morning.
1: You are you're one of those people that likes to see greatness, right? That's that's what you like. You right. like like watching greatness. Yeah. And th- so, therefore, you want. The best teams to get better and better and better—is that what you're telling me? Even if it becomes at the at the expense of any sort of competitive balance, even if one team or two yeah. teams gets to dominate yeah. the league, you're yeah. okay well, with that?
5: Yeah, you know, like you know, if you're a Yankees fan, what, what, what you you know, people ask like, "This doesn't happen in American sports." No, it so many happens Boston yeah. and New York don't don't spend uh, a lot of money.
1: No, it's true. Look, they're they're obviously it's obviously true that. That at least in baseball you can have one or two teams that spend outspend everybody else. Now they have rules in place that penalize those teams and share that money with everybody else. I don't know if it creates a balance, but I mean the Kansas City Royals made the World Series. I mean, I don't know that we're ever going to see a team that's that's comparable to the Royals in baseball. Make a Champions League final. Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or even win La Liga yeah. or, I mean, Atletico Madrid is still a massive club and them winning La Liga was a big surprise. We're not going to see, uh, we're not going to see Celta Vigo or, um, uh, I, I don't know, even Bilbao. We're not going to see those teams win a title anytime soon. Probably never because they just don't have the resources. Meanwhile, in American sports, the Royals get a safety net that helps them spend the right kind of money on the right kind of players. There's a draft that allows them to be on a level with everybody else and and get some advantages. And next thing you know, they're in the World Series. Now, is that good for baseball? I I think it is, but I I don't know that everybody agrees, right?
5: Right. I would agree with that. But uh, I I just want to say that, uh, uh, in my personal opinion, that Chicharito is is damned if you do and damned if you don't. I think, of course, if you ask a player... Uh, every player wants to start, yeah. and so what I don't understand, uh, the criticism that he gets with his answers, what he's trying to be uh, uh, a businessman and, and answer correctly, and then and then uh, people criticize him, well, look, this is all corporate, you need to be telling us the truth, but then, you know, in my personal opinion, uh, you know, you're going to be labeled a cancer in the do you want to be Carlos Tevez or... or or Mario Baratelli when, when, uh, they were asked to perform as super subs. Sure. So, m- m- my bigger question that should be asked to players is not whether they want to start, um or not, because I think they all want to start. Is the bigger question that should be asked is, um... Do you want to be a part of a team that's going to win a trophy, or do you want to be a part of a person who's just going to go out here and score a lot of goals and win nothing?
1: This is the amazing thing about a team like Real Madrid. Everybody on that roster, from number 1, Ronaldo, all the way down, is good enough to start on really good teams in Europe every single one of those players right but they have to have backups they have to have guys that sit the bench they have to have guys that don't dress on game day and that you know for a long time Chicharito was in that category he was a guy stuck on the bench yeah of course he wants to start but maybe he's willing to trade that for the opportunity to be a european champion to be a spanish champion and and I don't I don't know that I blame him necessarily there's a certain glory in that too it, it, would he rather go to Valencia and and play every match, or be on be we with Real Madrid and be you know be on the field, have a chance to be on the field against Juve because a player got injured in Benzema? He didn't know that was going to happen, but he put himself in a position to be ready and available when Benzema got hurt.
5: Right, it, like yeah, you got to admire his professionalism uh, that absolutely. way. There's not too many athletes that are going to do that. Absolutely, uh, and there's there's just one other thing too, and then. Uh, you know, Jose Mourinho, uh, if winning, if winning, uh, league titles in Spain was so easy, how come he only did it one time?
1: <laughs> you know, he's the guy just talks. Come on, Ray. You know, you don't have to take anything he says seriously. Come on. The man just yeah. likes to rile people up, Ray.
5: Yeah. Well, you, like I said, you know, in my country, you have a saying that says, um, if if uh, if you can't hack it in La Liga, you run uh, you run like a dog with tail between his legs back to
1: the EPL. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the case. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Ray. Appreciate it, man. Yep. All right, there it goes. There goes Ray in Milwaukee. Yeah, just taking shots at, at Jose Mourinho. I don't think you can. I again, I don't think you can really sh- throw shade at Jose Mourinho. He is successful everywhere he goes. Yeah, it wasn't easy in Spain, and he did have some setbacks, and he wasn't su- successful every year. But consider the number of trophies the man has; it's it's insane. Daniel in Atlanta, what's up? Hey, good morning, Jason. Good morning, my friend. <laughs> I just wanted to call in
0: since you were talking about um, Juventus and Champions League. I was wondering, is that one of the reasons why Jurgen Klopp decided to leave um, Borussia Dortmund? Aside from the fact that you know they started off bad, and where do you see him going to?
1: I, I have absolutely no clue. Where Jurgen Klopp's gonna end up. I think the number of teams that are on that are in the Jurgen Klopp sweepstakes is like four. Now and I I'm not even sure. Manchester City only because of money. Now I I, I love how people want to make this argument. Oh, Jurgen Klopp's not the kind of guy that just goes for money. He's the kind of guy who wants to build something. He wants to he he wants a he wants tradition. He's a he's a guy that appreciates history. Okay. There's enough of that at City, and there's plenty of money to build something. Why wouldn't you take that opportunity unless you have a better one? And give me a, give me a notion of who, what – give me a, cl- a club that's even on that level, Daniel. I mean, I, I help me out here because, again, Liverpool's name, Liverpool comes up because Brendan Rodgers may or may not be good enough, but I don't think Klopp goes to Liverpool. I, that's a gut thing. They're certainly – I guess they're in play. Where else could he possibly go? If it's not England, where else could he possibly go?
0: Hmm, that's a tough decision because England would be the only other option that people keep throwing out there. Um, it's it's a tough question, and he hasn't come out and chosen his club yet. Yeah, but I mean, how funny would, the, would it be if he would have come to MLS and sh- take over a
1: team? Shut, shut up, shut up! I'm not even going to dignify <laughs> that one, Daniel. What I think is interesting here is he's made his decision before the season ends. Now he's going to see the season out. Okay. There are going to be jobs that open up between now and the beginning of next year that we don't know about yet. Somebody's going to leave some, you know, and somebody's going to surprisingly leave. Maybe Laurent Blanc leaves the PSG and maybe Klopp decides that's the kind of project he wants to be part of. I don't know. I mean, that's not, that, that's not really the perfect fit. That's not what you would expect him to do. Um, he's not going to Munich. So he's not going to Bayern. He's, uh, is there any chance at all that he takes over at either of the Spanish giants? I don't think so. Uh, where else? I mean, again, where where else is a club on his level that he, unless he's going, and and I hate to say it this way, but unless he slums it a bit and go grabs and goes in and takes a job at a mid table club in 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 England or something, I, I don't I don't know what I don't know what his options are.
0: If if he decides to come to England, I would like to see him go to Southampton because just because it had a great start of the season. Okay. And, you know, they're, they they perform when they want to perform and they don't when they don't. But, you know, it's just to see him go somewhere other than a big old club, you know, like Man City or something like that, would be, you know, a, a positive for his rep and whatever club that he goes to, he'll be able to bring it up. I assume he'll be able to bring it up. Yeah, you know, um,
1: Eddie in Brooklyn is... Suggesting that AC Milan might be a place for Jurgen Klopp, I, I, I can see that. Again, the, the pedigree is there. We know about Milan, and it would be great. I would love to see Milan back at the top of the mountain in Syria, at least challenging Juve for titles. Because I, right now, I don't think Juve has a legitimate challenger, and that's that's a little disappointing. They're in the Champions League semifinals. That's great for Italian football, but don't you think it would be better for Syria if there was a legit, legitimate title? battle every single every season Roma hasn't figured it out yet they haven't gotten there yet and and while the Milan clubs kind of wallow below their usual level that's not good for it I don't think that's good for Italian football Milan needs to be back up there maybe Klopp's the guy to bring in and turn uh, to come in and, and turn Milan or all the way around and get them back to the top
0: I was actually thinking about Milan him him, him going to Milan and, and bring them up uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Italian, uh, Calcio, as you would say, but, uh, anywhere he lands, I'd promise you they'll make it a Champions League.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, he didn't do it this year with Dortmund, but okay. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'll right, talk to you later.
1: All right. There goes Daniel in Atlanta. Let's, uh, let's go to Philadelphia and talk about, uh, cutter, Qatar, Qatar, however you want to say it. What's up?
4: Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing? I'm good. Hey, bring back kickers, man. I missed that I missed that fight well.
1: <laughs> uh, bring back what oh kickers. Yeah, I wish I could, man. That wasn't that wasn't me cool. that decided to kill that. Go ahead. <laughs>
4: um I regarding the Qatar controversy, how I'm crazy would be from February twenty twenty two, Qatar comes around and says, Hey, we're not ready yet. <laughs> and then, every time I see, Go ahead. Sorry, because every time I see these videos of like news report, every time I see news report videos of like Qatar this, Qatar that, there, I, I see nothing built. I see no, I see like no beam in the ground, anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to go 2022. comes in and goes, we're not ready. And they're going to say, look, you you guys held us up. We had uh, a plane. You guys told us up. You kept coming around.
1: <laughs> you
4: know, it's. it's, it's, it's
1: it's so funny to me. We couldn't get it done. You guys kept checking in on us. We had to stop what you know. I think the only way that they don't get everything done in time, for, in time for 2022 is if there is a serious crackdown on the way that their labor structure works and they are denied all of that foreign labor that they've been using um, under the kafala system. I, I, I don't think they have plenty of money. That's not the issue. So they, they have plenty of money. I don't yeah. see why they wouldn't get it done and again, I mean, barring an absolute disaster, they're going to host it. I, I don't, I mean, I would love not to be cynical like that, but I just can't imagine that FIFA's ever going to back down. And again, with my expectation... Yeah, I know,
4: se- like, the 70 I'm
1: uh, sorry. No, no, go ahead.
4: I'm uh, sorry. I know, I, I know, like, I know the 70s, I know they're still playing time, but every time there's a news report, they, there's always, like, okay, well, here they are, they're building the stadium, they're building the hotels. So I see nothing but dirt ground. I'm like you. You think by now with all these all these workers, to be an infrastructure built. Like here's a couple of beams in the ground. This is the framework. Gonna be, I guess we always see nothing. Yeah. of Well, that it's, it's I, ever made, I, I can't. You know?
1: I, I can't speak to that. I mean, you're only seeing a small slice of whatever's happening there. You're not seeing the whole country. I, I think that would be it would be wrong to judge just on those television pictures. Now, if some if somebody goes, some journalist goes, some documentary film filmmaker goes, and some television crew, and they say and they they go around the whole country and they report. No, they're not getting anything done. Then maybe we take that step, and we wonder if they're not going to get finished. Now, again, the problem is that they can't keep themselves. You said they come around; everybody comes around and checks on them, and maybe that's why they're not getting anything done. That's funny, but they they can't keep themselves out of the news for missteps and bad. And I I just reported, you know, I just related that story this morning about the German documentary crew that was detained and interrogated and wasn't allowed to leave the country for days. That's not a good look. I don't care if you want to say it's about filming permits or not that's not a good look you can't do that and if you don't have anything to hide then allow the documentary filmmakers in to do their jobs i'm trying to find the i'm trying to find the link here um it's certainly it's certainly a film that it um, just seems so fifa i know it just seems so fifa if it comes around and says we're not
4: ready uh, it it, it just seems like so FIFA, they,
1: they come on, they're not right. Wow. The uh, the film that the documentary team was working on is called "The Selling of Football," set Bladder and the power of FIFA, and it, uh, I guess it uh, airs on German television tonight. Is this posted today? Maybe this was last night. So um, either way, that's got to be out there somewhere. Maybe we can get a a uh, subtitled version. Based on a description of the film, the reporters claim to have gotten their hands on incriminating bank documents. It's no wonder that the Qatari officials were so keen on detaining the camera crew. This is from Deadspin. If that's true, tomorrow might be very interesting. We'll find out, man. Got anything else? Yeah, true. All right, thanks a lot, Jay. I appreciate it. There you go. That's
4: All right,
1: it, man. 646-832-3909. Just a, a couple more minutes here. Washington asked, uh, if Blatter doesn't get reelected, do you think, do you think Qatar still hosts 2022? Uh, I think we would have a serious investigation and a review of the process, but ultimately, I think it would be very, very difficult for FIFA to extract themselves legally from Qatar at this point. Cutter, so get it right. I think legally they would have a serious problem. It would take a lot of pressure from a lot of people with a lot of money, a lot of influence to get FIFA to pull out. Because the, if they do that. They're opening up a giant can of worms about where the line is for hosting these events. And I think that Qatar would have would they whether or not they would win, they would certainly take FIFA to task for the investment that they've already made. If the tournament is then taken away from that country, when you have a you know, when you have a an outbreak of disease that uh the the way that uh led to the US hosting the women's world cup a while back uh in China or you have well, that was China right or you have uh the case of um Colombia was it Colombia that wasn't ready to host the world cup and you shifted it to to Mexico that's a flat out that's flat out we're not ready our economy's not good we've got some stuff going on here we really can't welcome you guys in cutters in a completely different different situation again they've got so much money If they bring that to bear, they'll be fine on on the infrastructure front, on the stadium front. They're going to build a whole new city. That's how much money these people have. They're going to create a city just to host World Cup games, and then they're going to populate it and say it's a, I don't know, whatever. Never heard of such a thing. And yet I don't doubt that they have the wherewithal to get it done, again, provided that they are able to find the labor. And therefore, the only reason that the World Cup doesn't go to Qatar Qatar in 2022 is if they are denied that labor. And I still haven't seen enough international pressure on the country to believe that that's ever going to happen. Just, I can't believe that it's ever going to happen. All right, calls to slow down if you guys don't want to get in. 646-832-3909. Then we need to wrap up the show. Probably should do that here. Again, Champions League today. Real Madrid in Turin to face Juventus. Not expecting a whole lot of excitement from that game. I do expect a goal or two. I just think there's too much talent on the field. Somebody will create something. You'll have a, a moment of brilliance from Ronaldo. He'll sky 18 feet in the air to put a header on goal, or Tevez will do something. Obviously, you know, again, we're going to be watching this game for Ronaldo, Tevez, Pirlo, uh, there's so much talent on this field, uh, so much e- uh, extraordinary soccer ability that somebody, somebody's, somebody's got to score. I have faith. I believe, even if Ancelotti wants to shut it down and go back to Madrid with a goalless draw. Looking forward to that. All right, that's it. Let's uh, let's go ahead and call this one. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys over on the SiriusXM show at eleven o'clock. Make sure you go to 3 30fc.com to buy a t-shirt. Go to Backheel.com to buy a Soccer Morning. Backheel.com slash store. Buy a Soccer Morning mug. Hit us up on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. iTunes, all that stuff. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Later.